Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. Now it feels like football season. Now you got it. Now there are Denver Broncos out there in uniform on a practice field. And it feels like this team is finally starting to turn around. Now, the NFL is interesting in that regard. And, and by the way, we, we, we've gotten some texts. We want to get to those as well. 303-831-1340 is the number. So you can call a text there. Uh, but I, I do want to throw this out. For Broncos fans, the NFL is built... Like, baseball isn't built like this, Sandy. Hockey isn't built like this. The NFL is built via its very hard salary cap that if you find a way to correctly overturn your roster, make the right signings, correct draft well, that you can go from a worst to first team rather quickly. Uh, generally, if, if you run things well, it you can be in the playoffs within three years of being last, if not sooner. The Broncos have found themselves in a very, very long run of not being able to do that. And as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, only the Jets have been out of the playoffs longer. Think of the team. Right. Pick your team. Pick your team. There's and, Cardinals, and specifically in the last in. seven years. The Detroit Lions, in. Pick, pick right. them. Anybody. Uh, anybody. Every, Even the most downtrodden of franchises, with the exception of the Jets and Broncos, have made the playoffs at least once in the last Seven Name years. It. Cleveland, Washington, the Bears, yes. the Falcons. I mean, all these teams have been in there. And the Broncos have not been able to turn it around. Now, the, the challenge, I think, for fans and the challenge that the Broncos have had in the last couple of years is the idea that, well, we've had the three years and this is the year it's going to flip. For the Broncos, instead of turning a... Uh, Broncos want to turn a, a jet ski on the lake. Instead, it's been like turning an ocean liner. And the hope is that Sean Payton will do that. But even Sean Payton has indicated that they're closer to the beginning of that turnaround than the end. This is the rebuild that you can't call a rebuild. Uh, paraphrasing from Jeff Legwald's uh, fine observation yeah. <laughs> the other day. Uh, on ESPN.com. Yes, it is a rebuild that you can't call a rebuild, and the Broncos, uh, regardless of the coach, have refused, whether it was Gary Kubiak, Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, Nathaniel Hackett, and now Sean Payton, to call this anything resembling what it actually is, and that's a rebuild. And I, I and think pretty much... Across the board, Payton has come as close as you have two stars. You have two untouchable players that cannot be traded, should not be traded, and their names are Justin Simmons and Patrick Sutan the second. Otherwise, you you'd listen to calls on On anybody anybody else, and the Broncos did in the offseason with respect to any and all of their wide receivers, and did not get takers at a level that they hoped for. So they they remain here. Want to go back to that text line, Andrew Detmer in the booth here. Uh, that's one of the uh, the texts that stood out. What's what stood out so far to you, Andrew? Yes. Yeah, so so far, two texts to get to. Uh, one from Old Powell Broncos sixty. Uh, quite simply, give Russ Wilson and Peyton about nine games into season two before we can judge them. And uh, another text from listener Joe. I've been wrong about a lot of things with Broncos over the past few years, but as a fan. 
I appreciate a coach with an edge, kind of gives us an us-against-the-world mentality, even if it's self-created. And in Sean Payton's case, self-centered. We'll see, as Sean said, just when that's really all we want at this point. Well, let's uh, let's address the, uh, the the second one first. I think that's a that's a good point because um, I, I couldn't disagree with any of that, even if it is a little, maybe even self-centered, and that's a pretty good way to describe it. The idea that you know Sean Payton is building an us against the world mentality because Sean Payton himself has the us against the world mentality, or the me against the world, or the me specifically against the uh, Roger Goodell led NFL sort of bureaucracy, for lack of a better term. I, I think that for the Broncos, this has been this has been my argument. I I, I was not originally uh, opposed to the hire, but I didn't love it because I know what kind of comes with Sean Payton. But what comes with Sean Payton historically also was an awful lot of wins, as you've pointed out. This this is guy. It's <laughs> talking about a top thirty head coach in the history of the league by any virtual and, measure. And and apart from that, he was with one team for 15 years, that's very impressive. It is. That's very impressive. And, and, and I know that he lost a year to a suspension. And that team was never, they, ever they, in its history considered a legitimate Super no, Bowl contender, no. and he and, got him and, there. And, and he got him there, and it was true when they actually were in the Super Bowl and won it in 2009, and it was true in the next decade plus that they were championship contenders. The game they lost most memorably in the NFC Championship game to the Rams was a game in which a bad call clearly influenced the outcome. And given the fact that the Rams only lost to New England 13-3 to at the Super right. Bowl, I think it's reasonable to assume that New Orleans might have done a little better, even if New Orleans didn't win. I, I don't know they that New England would have scored much more against New Orleans than it did against the Rams. But on that Saints team, you can make the argument. You can make the argument. New Orleans in your head would have been held to a field goal. The, we Braves is better game. than Goff. Right. So they 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 never got back to the Super Bowl again. But the Packers of Aaron Rodgers went once the following year. In fact, the year that followed New Orleans Super Bowl win, and they never got back there either. And they also won. And they had Aaron Rodgers. And New Orleans had Drew Brees. And the Pittsburgh Steelers had Ben Roethlisberger. And they won two Super Bowls, one with Cowher, one with Tomlin, but two with Roethlisberger at quarterback. And after they won the second one, they never went back to the Super Bowl either. It is hard to get that far. And yet it is possible for a Doug Peterson to get to the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback mm-hmm. helping to lead them and then have that backup quarterback somehow outplay Tom Brady when Brady had maybe the greatest day of his postseason career, maybe the greatest statistical day of his career, period. You had Bill Parcells with the Giants going to a Super Bowl with Jeff Hostetler after Phil Sims had been mm-hmm. hurt. Oh, I remember this roughly one. Roughly <laughs> the same time that Carson Wentz got hurt. In 2017, when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots. And I know this was during a time in which the NFC won 13 straight Super Bowls, but when Haas-Stetler's Giants went to the Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills, the Bills hadn't lost any Super Bowls 
they'd go to four straight and they'd lose them all. But at that point, that was the first one. And they hadn't lost at the Super Bowl. And they were one touchdown favorites over the Giants. Because the NFC hadn't won 13 straight Super Bowls at that point. Right. They had won a handful, but they hadn't won 13 straight. And Buffalo just crushed the Raiders in the championship game, and the AFC put 51 on them. And nobody thought that Buffalo was beatable. Heck, Buffalo beat the Giants in the regular season at the Meadowlands and won fairly decisively. These are great coaches, but it is hard. Look look at all the coaches who have won Super Bowls, who have gone on the coach elsewhere. And even Parcells with New England the first year didn't do very well. And you know what happened the second year? They went to the playoffs, and uh, some coach named Belichick beat him in the playoffs for the Cleveland Browns. So it, it, winning is hard anyway. And listen, as far as Sean Payton is concerned, and this is the way I imagine it should be, last six years of losing, the last seven years of not being in the playoffs, don't mean anything to him. No, they have nothing to do with him. And that's, that's the approach you should take. But he won't be measured here on sentiment. No, <laughs> no, but no coach or ever Or on is. personal popularity. And he knows that he'll be measured only by whether he wins or loses. I am going to think, having been around Nathaniel Hackett for a very short time, that he seemed like a nice guy to me. Um, Vic Fangio seemed like a nice enough guy. I had some curmudgeonly ways about him, but I, I thought he was fine. And Vance Joseph, who is back here as defensive coordinator, is a, is a very nice man. Gary Kubiak. Uh, you know, in, in 2016 was just as nice as he was in 2015. Right. So, it, it, you know, charm isn't going to get you wins, and I think Peyton has taken that about that uh, theory about as far as you can uh, And uh, figures, hey, so I don't need it. Doesn't doesn't go account on the scoreboard, so why bother with it? And uh, that, that part's interesting. And I guess when you look at the uh, our, our first texter there, too. This is, I think, where some of the, the challenge for Broncos fans is going to be. The idea yeah. that you have um, to give Russell Wilson and Sean Payton nine games before I don't you know. judge. I, I don't know. And, and first I, of all, I, I want to question the premise. Okay. Um, and and this is no knock at Because I at the am texture. inclined to I, more or less agree. I, I would question the premise. Sean Payton's not going to be judged on nine games. Russell Wilson will be judged on fewer than nine games. Sean Payton is going to be the coach of the Denver Broncos for years to come. It isn't necessarily true that he is tied in with Russell Wilson to the extent that as long as Payton's here, Russell Wilson will be here. Uh Uh-oh. Russell Wilson was not brought here under the auspices of Sean Payton. Yes. Uh, they're not tied at the hip because they are not tied at the hip at all. So I question the premise. Yeah, that 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 Sean Payton brought in. Give them both nine games. Payton will get longer than that. Brought in. Keep that in mind. Well, yes, I think Payton, as in P A T O N, his fate is tied to Wilson. Sean Payton, P A Y T O N, 
his fate is tied to no one. Right. His fate is tied to wins and losses over time. Wins and losses over time yep. and growth over time and growing and improving from last year to this year will not be difficult unless the Broncos somehow lose 13 games or more. The, this is going to be so fascinating to unpack because things are going to move rapidly when it comes to training camp. Remember, a, a week from tomorrow is the Hall of Fame game. So it, it's going to come quickly. And Payton's preparation, if you're looking for reasons to be very uh, bullish on the Broncos' chances, Payton's preparation, of course, I think is going to change the way this team approaches things. The, they talked about it in OTAs. You had multiple players. Cortland Sutton and Justin Simmons uh, were a few that pointed out how much they focused on particular late game situations, clock management, the kind of things that they really hadn't, they said they hadn't really done before uh, with their coaches, which is more, I think, a commentary on their previous coaches yes. because I think most coaches, most their NFL coaches do that work situations extensively during the preseason and during but Peyton's record during, indicates he is not an av- during, coach of average accomplishment. During games, they work. So, yes, at a certain point, there is a bar where, yes, you're doing what most coaches do. But Peyton, historically, given the wins and losses, is also doing a little bit more than that. Is that reason to believe that the Broncos, at least when you're talking about fielding a team that at times last year didn't look like it belonged on the field, I think those days are gone. I don't know if the Broncos' wins and losses are going to double and get the second place as it would be required given last year's standings. But I suspect that we're not going to see very many moments in which Broncos fans get to overtime at home and leave because the team simply didn't even look NFL caliber in the way it played or prepared. I think those days are over, and I think wins eventually come with that. But how quickly can they come? In the last 46 years... We have seen Red Miller, a first-time head coach, Mm -hmm. do what no coach in the history of the NFL will ever do again, and that's take a team who had never made the playoffs, never, even once, in their history, never made the playoffs, take that team to the Super Bowl the first year. You saw Mike Shanahan on his second head coaching stint, and the first one because it was with the Raiders and under dreadful conditions, Almost doesn't count. I, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> in his second year, begin a string of seasons, three years, in which the Denver Broncos won as many or more games than any team in NFL history over a three-year period. We saw John Fox come in and somehow get to the playoffs with Tim Tebow as his starting quarterback and then win a playoff game with Tim Tebow as his starting quarterback. And then the following year with a little bit of assistance from Peyton Manning, lead the Broncos on virtually an unprecedented 11 game winning streak. Then the following year, they're in the Super Bowl. Gary Kubiak, in his first year as Bronco head coach, takes him to the Super Bowl, they win the game. Well, it sounds like you're telling me there's a chance. So I'm saying I can understand why Bronco fans, given that history, believe that Sean Payton can do things that 
either haven't been done at all or have been done only in rare circumstances because we've seen some of those rare circumstances play out here in Denver. I caution those people, though, that other than Miller, the Broncos hadn't gone seven years without making the playoffs when John Fox came aboard. Now, there had been a dry spell, and they were dreadful, but it hadn't been seven years, and it hadn't been seven years when Mike Shanahan took control. In fact, Wade Phillips' first year was 1993 as head coach of the Broncos, and they made the playoffs in 1993. So when Mike got here in 1995, it had been only two years since the Broncos were last in the playoffs, not seven. The idea of, of a team culture at times can be a little overrated, especially when you're talking about a, a roster that'll have 53 guys on it in the end, trying to have one cohesive thing where everyone's all on the same page. It's difficult. It's just difficult to get 50-plus people on the same page. How much can that change? How much does that matter for the Denver Broncos? And how can they make a little bit of noise in the AFC West and the AFC at large? Uh, that's really the story of today. Sean Payton's charged with changing the Broncos. But over at Superbook Sports, they're already changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code Mile High, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus, which means win or lose. Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code Mile High. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code Mile High, and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Good text, by the way. Keep them coming. 303-831-1340. I will have a little more from Sean Payton that uh, we want you to hear. We'll do that next on Mile Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for the uh, interactions. Of course, the Denver Broncos underway down at Dove Valley, getting ready for their uh, training camp. Today was the first day of practice. Tomorrow they will have that as well. And then uh, soon enough, fans will be available to be able to see that. Uh, if you've gotten your tickets and uh, highly anticipated, and we've talked about sort of the uh, the the yin and the yang of, of Sean Payton to a certain extent. The the idea that this is a, a fiery, defiant guy that, uh, quite frankly, appears to hold grudges at the same time. <laughs> is, I would say, yeah, is also uh, unquestionably uh, organized, skilled, no doubt, and and, un, and knows how to create winning football teams. The idea for the Denver Broncos, because you've talked about it, Sandy, we've talked about it all week, literally all off season. the idea that the Broncos have two untouchable players, Pat Sertan and, and Justin Simmons. Um, they can get better. I think everyone can always get a little better, but they're pretty good. The rest of the team, and you've, I think, been on this as much as anybody, have quite frankly, over the last couple of years, underachieved. 
And you I look believe at Russell, that. Russell Wilson. First and you can blame coaching for that. You can, you, can, you can blame two coaching different for coaches. Some of it, for sure. If you take a look at 21, it was Fangio. 22, it was Hackett. Neither of those teams was well coached. We can all agree on that. But the talent, by and large, and I put the word talent in air quotes, has yet to prove itself. Potential is great. Production is better. And I think they have two players who would be called stars, absent any qualifier. Mm -hmm. Well, potentially stars. No, I want to say two guys guys who have established themselves on a Pro Bowl slash All-Pro level. Yes. And Simmons and Sertan have done that. Correct. And we can argue about where they rank among the top five at their respective positions. Simmons is a safety, Sertan is a corner. But they have achieved those honors. They have the respect of their peers. At various times, I think you could point to both of them and say, that's as good as it gets at that position. But if you've got a top 10, maybe even top five head coach, and you've got the best safety in football, okay, and you've got the best cornerback in football, that still is not enough. It's still not, and, and it never was enough. There's no time in NFL history when having simply the best coach and a couple of guys in your defensive secondary who are the best is an in and of itself enough to produce a contending team, much less a championship team. It's not enough. And yes, attitudes can change. You, you saw it in Baltimore with Shula. You saw it in Miami with Shula. You saw it in Green Bay with Lombardi. Those are the best examples. And although it took them a while, you saw it with Parcells and the Giants. Well, the key of changing attitude, of course, is you have to make sure the players on your team want to. That's step one, right? You have to want to. According to Sean Payton today, that hasn't been a problem. Yeah, I, look, I think it's a group by and large. And we, I felt this way coming off the spring. I, I thought the offseason went well. It's quiet. You know, guys were working. And I think that... Um, and these guys, they want to improve and, and want to be uh, seen in a different way. And, and look, you, you get the taste of last year. That's over with. And uh, it's a tough division. It's a tough league. But I, I think part of the part of the procurement of players is finding those guys that it matters a lot to. And then that becomes a little bit contagious. And then you have something. I, I think there's obvious clarity there. There's not a lot to comment on it. He's 100% right. But I think it's interesting you talked about, you know, roster procurement. Also identifying those players that you believe are on the same track as you are as a head coach. And I think he can only find that out when the games count. And you can only even do so much in a single offseason. As we've talked about exactly. before. Exactly. If you look at the offense and defense as it was projected at this time last year, 
18 of the 22 guys are the right. same. Right. And listen, we heard the same things last year from a different coach that these guys are ready to win. The improvement they has were, to be from were, within. They were uh, not resistant in the least to coaching. And Nathaniel Hackett suggested that unlike Sean Payton, he threw everything at them from the beginning. Maybe that wasn't so wise. In fact, Peyton is not an adherent to that philosophy at all. He he believes in a more gradual implementation of his offense and not doing that to players. In fact, he made it very clear that through the first month of the offseason, you'd throw away the football. The Broncos were going to run, and they were going to lift, and that would be the extent of their activities. They would get in shape first, and then they would practice football, not the other way around. Last year, it was practice football, and then, oh, along the way, it'd be nice if you were in shape, but it wasn't unacceptable if you weren't. And the Broncos had a ton of injuries to show for it, right. and they and they and they have some injuries even this year going into uh, this camp. That's that's nobody's fault. Yeah, and and everybody, some are non-football related sure. injuries. Everybody's got injuries uh, going into camp. Everybody's got guys who are physical question marks going into camp. I think he will be very insistent on players day in and day out adhering to those principles. But you have to understand, players are going to say those things and act that way for any new coach because if they don't, common sense dictates that they'll be gone. Right? So, yes, when... Sean Payton said the other day about Albert O. He's been very attentive. Right. Well, I would certainly hope so. His career's on the line. Yeah, absolutely. I'd pay attention to. This particular run is is so fascinating because trying to unpack how the other Broncos have gotten from where they were to where they are could fill a, a series of books. But now with a fresh start, remember, ownership took over on August 9th of last year. That was when they it was approved. So it hasn't even quite been a year. The roster turnover, the procurement, as Peyton put it, is, is almost certainly underway as we speak. It is not complete by any stretch of the imagination. You're right. This year will be a lot of evaluation. So this isn't the year where you think the Broncos are ready to make a run. I don't think that even in the building, the Broncos believe that. So what are their realistic goals? Is it to get a playoff spot? Is it to earn a wild card spot? Oh, that has to be the prime objective. Well, but would, but would you be satisfied if it was close? Depends. If, depends. You, if you lost on tie, if you won, went depends. nine and eight, lost on tiebreakers. Depends. Good enough? Which games you win, which games you lose on the way to going nine and eight. You know, I've always used the first year of Josh McDaniels as the ultimate example of this. The Broncos started 6-0, and finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Don't you think the impression of Josh McDaniels' first year would have been entirely different had they started 0-6 and, and then finished 8-8? Eight and eight? Certainly. And if it takes a while 
for Wilson and Peyton to get on the same page, then that's the risk. It is the start for this could be ugly. And the start for this schedule, given what they have, needs to be pretty good. As you it, pointed out, it has no, to be 2-1 and one it, to start. It, it, certainly. It has to be 2-0 and oh to start because they're playing the Raiders and the Commanders. Um, I suppose Magic Johnson might have some different ideas on, on the name, and I hope Magic uh, gets his way. It won't happen immediately. But in any case, Washington's another team. They got new ownership, and they've got some fairly high hopes. Yep. They also have Sam Howell at quarterback, and I'm not sure I bet much on Sam Howell's leading Washington back into the playoffs in what is a pretty good division now in the NFC East, a division mm-hmm. that wasn't for a few years there, but now is really, really good again with Philadelphia and Dallas. And I would dare say the New York Giants, now that Saquon Barkley is back in the fold and Thomas has signed at left tackle, a huge contract extension. Right. Uh, that you would have uh, Uh, the same expectations for the Washington club as you have for the Broncos in the Because Washington was the only team in that division that didn't make the playoffs. Washington could be very good this year and still not make the playoffs and still finish last. They were 8-1 last year. They were a 500 team that finished dead last in their division. A division in which, by the way, since they went 2-3-1 against all playoff teams, I mean, everybody else in their division made the playoffs. So it, th- this is a big ask. Is it impossible? No. Because things happen, right? There there will be, and that's the way I think the Broncos have to approach it, there will be a team that we expect to be pretty good that isn't. That's how it works. Last year, that was the Tennessee Titans, for example. It just goes that way. Is it the Bills that will fall off? Maybe. Is it the Dolphins that might not be as good as everyone thinks? Possibly. Could the Ravens, even with the new contract in hand for Lamar Jackson, have a year that is actually a step back? Sure. I don't see the Bengals or the Chiefs taking a step back, barring an unlikely array of injuries. Quite frankly, I think Jacksonville has as easy a path to the playoffs as anybody, given their bad division. But only one playoff team is coming out right. of the AFC South, but, you would think, you would think, but there's always a team that, as you point out, it, disappoints, the and Chargers. there's also, correspondingly, Somebody a surprises. team that surprises. Last year, that might have actually been, again, the Dolphins, for example. Yeah, and I suppose. The Broncos need to make sure that, they, I think you're exactly right. I, I think it's perhaps a bridge too far to ask this year. But given the, the fact that those things happen every year, the Denver Broncos need to basically say, there's no bust. But but your yeah. season is not successful there's, unless you make a wild there's card. There's one of those You te- have to claim a spot. The Broncos are one of those teams, after seven years out of the playoffs, it has to happen to them this year. <laughs> that, And I don't mean making the playoffs is a mandate. I mean they have to surprise people. Yes. And it won't take much to surprise here's the thing. people. You can go eight nine and surprise people yep. who expected you to go five the Jets and twelve might again, make the playoffs this or year. six and eleven. If the Jets make the playoffs and the Broncos don't, now guess who has the longest streak of futility? When you're behind the New York Jets, that's bad. The Denver Broncos are not accustomed to being the league's doormat, which they are not yet. But they're close because well, if, if there's if there's anything 
that describes ineptitude in the NFL, it is a it is this. It is the, the number of years in a row in which you have not made a playoff game because we talked about it. Even the teams that are awful in this league have done it since the Broncos have done it. Let's take the Broncos' schedule. And again, I'm not, and you're not either because neither of us believe in this. Going to do a game by game breakdown. They're going to win this game. They're going to lose that one. However, I will submit here on the eve of training camp's official opener that. After 11 games, I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb here. After 11 games, I suspect the Broncos will still be mathematically alive for a playoff spot. All right? Okay. That leaves six games. Mm -hmm. The final six, all when everything is considered, all of these are appear to be winnable winnable games. games. I agree. Here's the problem. Four out of the six are on the road. Mm Mm-hmm. And, listen, Houston isn't going to be competing for a playoff spot. The Chargers might be, and that's a big game at SoFi on December 10th. The game at Detroit at Ford Field is only important because it's one of the last four games. It's an out-of-conference game. It won't help them or hurt them in tiebreakers. But you, you need to bank a W. But, but you know, you... Brett, that's probably one of those road games you need to find a way to win. Uh, because Detroit is, I think, more of a playoff contender than the Broncos are. Yes. Oh, yes. Given the fact that Detroit is playing in the NFC. Yes. Right? Yes. And and the and NFC won't have to have as good a record in particular, we don't think, to make the playoffs. Yeah, which is up in the air despite the fact the Vikings won 13 games last year. Uh, I, I think the the Vikings will not win 13 no, games. I feel that division's up in the air. But Going on from there, New England here. Uh, I don't particularly think New England will be a playoff contender, and maybe not by week 16. I think they're ready for a step back. Christmas Eve, uh, the Broncos will be favored, I imagine, to win that game. Then they have the Chargers at home on New Year's Eve. And then they have a game at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas against the Raiders to close out in early January. I'm not saying they have to run the table. But I'm saying if they're in contention, they will be playing big games in December and possibly January, and that would represent growth, even if they fall short of a playoff berth. There are metrics that you can look at. They're very, very simple. Numbers in which the Broncos have to improve that show how big the hill they have to climb is. We'll talk about that and how Sean Payton's practices intend to address it next on My Life Sports. Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. Winding down a Wednesday for the... First day of a Broncos practices down at Dove Valley. An idea of, of the hill the Broncos have to climb. Now, granted, uh, two teams, both the Colts and the Texans, won fewer games than the Broncos in the AFC last year. However, the Broncos were 1-8 and eight on the road, worst in the AFC. The Broncos were 1-5 in their division, 
worst in the AFC. The Broncos were 3-9 and nine in conference. Worst in the AFC. This is a team that last year at least found themselves almost hapless when it comes to the conference in which they're trying to claim a postseason spot this time around. They were 4-4 four and four at home, but otherwise on the road, in division, in conference, not among the worst, the single worst, yeah. not tied for worst <laughs> in any of those, yeah. the undisputed worst. And wasn't the road win technically in London against mm-hmm. Jacksonville? Yeah. So they did not really win a road game last year. They won a there were more Broncos game that was played on a neutral a, side. Yeah, the, which Broncos fans may have outnumbered Jacksonville fans. That was despite technically the fact that Jacksonville speaking, has been there every year. A Jacksonville home game. Right. And listen, that, uh, Jacksonville that's made a, the playoffs last year and won a playoff that's game. That's a big hill Beating to climb. Beating Jacksonville was actually good as good a win as they had all year. Yeah. With given the travel not and everything else, sure. I mean, you know, they played a solid game and Those beat a playoff team. High high knees on the plane made a difference. Uh, if apparently. They, if they, you know, actually. He didn't play very well, but happened. they did win the game. One of the concerns that the Broncos have had in recent years, at least that you've noticed as well, Sandy, is the fact that uh, the injury issues are always a concern. Now, injuries to a certain extent are unpredictable, especially in the NFL where you have uh, big, fast men crashing into each other at full speed all the time. But last year, both of us had issues with the pace in which Nathaniel Hackett ran practice. He called them jog-throughs. Sean Payton had an opportunity to explain how his tempo works when you're talking about practices. And much like you heard him talk about uh, in the spring, the idea that unlike Hackett, he's just not going to drop everything on everybody. Nope, we're going to condition first. No football. Condition, then some football, then we're just going to go gradually with this. He had an opportunity to talk about how his practice tempos work and it is rather revealing in contrast to what you heard last year from Nathaniel Hackett. The tempo is what we're looking for today. Um, what will gradually change is the time out on the field, the amount of periods. Um, this on-ramp, you know, this was really quick practice from start to finish, but hopefully the tempo is something that you would say you get used to seeing and you saw some of it today and, and I think that's something that um, it's something that's really been important to us relative to how we practice offensively and then what it forces the defense to do as well. Interesting that he called out right off the bat to the media that you'll be seeing this tempo all the time. It's merely we'll be out on the field for longer practices right. and that sort of thing, but this right. this is the speed at which we practice. No, this one is a walkthrough. This one is a jog through. This is how we practice. This is how we practice football, and we do it to help our defense get better, and we do it to make sure we're in the same rhythm on offense. Uh, Again, not revolutionary stuff, but for the Broncos over the last five seasons, it feels like it. Well, certainly more than last year. The the characteristic that stood out for me in the final Fangio camp was was the idea of First of all, they were advancing this bogus notion that there was a quarterback competition when there never was. Teddy Bridgewater was acquired, and there was no reason to acquire him if you weren't going to make him the starting quarterback. And, in fact, that was clearly demonstrated during training camp. But Fangio was so indifferent to it that, by his own admission, he said he never watched the quarterbacks live in practice. 
He was watching other things. After practice, he would go up and look at uh, the practice tape, and he'd make his evaluations on the quarterbacks by himself. No assistants in the office with him. He would sit there and watch the two quarterbacks, which I thought, boy, this is the most significant decision you'll make if, in fact, it's a legitimate competition as a head coach. Right. And you're not watching any of it live. That was when we got elements of the, hey, I can't watch everything all the time. What do you expect? Well, since that's the most important decision, I would expect kind of a big one. If it's a real competition, you'd be watching the quarterbacks live. It was the first sign that it wasn't a serious competition because if it had been, even Vic Fangio would have watched the quarterbacks live. Vic Fangio knew in his final year here, if he was going to have any chance to survive, he'd have to find a quarterback better than Drew Locke. And, in fact, Teddy Bridgewater was a lot better than Drew Locke. Unfortunately for the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater was a lot better than Russell Wilson was last year, too. Uh, I'm not sure that I noticed that the tempo of practice was notably different. It was radically different last year. There, there can mm-hmm. be no debate on that point. So much so that people who had going into camp been favorably disposed toward Nathaniel Hackett took a second look and said, what the hell is he doing? And when his answer was, well, I'm doing the same thing as the Packers do and the 49ers do and the Rams do, among other teams. And remember, the Rams back then were defending champions. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not so long ago. We, we said, uh, we'll believe our own lying eyes before we believe you on that one. We'll call you on that one. Because that isn't true. Those teams practice at full speed all the time. In pads, out of pads. They're going full speed. The Broncos never did last year. Incidentally, they also didn't play the starters in preseason. I suspect the starters will play a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, which would be more than they played last year, which is essentially not at all. Not totally true. I mean, there were starters who, in fact, played a little bit for reasons that remain mysterious, um, of course, but Hackett isn't here anymore, and I imagine the starters will get some run in the exhibition games. I'm sure he's telling the truth about how the practices will be up-tempo all the time, as close to game tempo as you can get, because that's the way you have to practice during the regular season. Why would you practice during the preseason at a speed you'll never practice with during the regular season? Why would you even think about doing uh, it? It's kind of interesting when you think about the way it works out, right? When you're talking about, practice and you can cue Allen Iverson in your head we all know but the the idea behind it in every sport is muscle memory right I mean there there is repetition there is a, a mental component to it but the mental component can maybe come at a couple different speeds, but it's still best to do it at game speed. You can go back and look at film and that helps, but you still want the reps at game speed. Absolutely but the muscle memory speed, but that's right has to kind of come at game speed. Steve Atwater talked about it uh, a a little bit and and talked about preseason for him. And granted, the league is very different now in the way we approach preseason is different. But he brought up a very good point. Steve Atwater uh, said at one stage that you are doing something you are not normally going to do. You're not running at a human being at full speed intending to hit him or get hit. 
And your, your brain, by default, does not want to do that. And so practicing it at full speed is the only way to get used to doing that. And granted, you played an error where you could hit the way you can't hit in practices, but the point is still the same. What you're being asked to do on a football field is very different than what you're being asked to do in just about anywhere else. And so timing matters. Timing matters in the NFL and offenses more than it's ever mattered as the continual drop in average yards per target goes down. Mm-hmm. These are timing routes. And there is a reason when you look at the, the, the guys who lead the league in passing all time. Who's up there? Tom Brady? Is it, was he an improviser? Not much. Peyton Manning? Improviser? Not much. Drew Brees? No. Sean Payton? Timing routes. Guys who knew where his guy was supposed to be on time, on target with receivers who will catch it. The only way to do that is at full speed. Right. And if you look at the Bronco passing game last year, they never really developed any timing until maybe very late in the season, and that only applied to Jerry Judy among the receivers, as far as I could tell. Right. And that was only very late in the season that any timing with Judy even developed. It's a little bit with Dulcich, but uh, a point has been made, and I hadn't considered it, but I suppose it, it could make sense that when Dulcich came back, K.J. Hamler was still playing, and K.J. Hamler was running deep routes, even when he wasn't targeted, that opened up the middle of the field for Dulcich. If Hamler is not around, who's your speed guy who's going to stretch defenses and open up the middle of the field where Sean Payton's offenses prefer to operate? Who, who's going to be that deep threat? even when he isn't targeted, that opens up those middle areas. So there, there are a lot of questions. I think the offense will be better, but it could hardly be worse than it was last year. We will, of course, continue to cover uh, Broncos training camp as it goes along, including tomorrow, but let you know that in the last few uh, minutes, quite frankly, I, I warned you about this. We've said, and I've talked about this. Uh, Pete Mel of ESPN reports that uh, Colorado, University of Colorado in Boulder, the school is discussing the future of athletics in a university board of trustees meeting today regarding athletic operations. The report is about the move to the Big 12, right. and the presumption is Colorado may announce that within the next 48 hours. We talked Huge about story. George Klimatov of the Pac-12, uh, the, the, the commissioner of the Pac-12, being unable to get to the Pac-12 media day with a media deal in hand. That... Uh, Phil DiStefano, one of the, the regions, made it very clear. They were looking forward to seeing that. Uh, the chancellor talked about it. They were looking forward Wednesday, to something they did not see. And they didn't get it. And we talked about when they didn't get it, probably time to go. So maybe the University of Colorado moving back to the Big 12, uh, maybe within the next couple of days, we'll obviously stay on top of that as well. That will do it for us, of course. Thanks to Andrew Dittmer for putting everything together here. Uh, obviously, a lot of sound coming out of Broncos training camp. We'll stay on top of it. Thanks to you, everyone who interacted with us as well on the call and text line. And everyone who's listening to us, whether it's over the air, whether it's on milehighsports.com, where you can also watch it, or even better, on the app, the best place to go ahead and get us because it's crystal clear wherever you want and whenever you want if you missed any part of the program or any of the programs here, including getting all the great coverage of writing. Cody Rourke will join us later this week. You can get all of his stuff right through the app as, as well. So just one-stop shopping. Go check out the Mile High Sports app. And uh, keep an eye 
up in Boulder. I know I will. You will, and we'll be paying attention to the Broncos as well as things. Uh, it's football season with all of that comes with it, uh, including the stuff that uh, depends on where it gets played. So that'll do it for us. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll be back tomorrow, but keep it tuned right here on Miley Sports. All I do is-